Hello, I'm Howard and welcome to the 93.20 Review Pod after a delightful 5-0 romp at the Cardiff City Stadium. I'm delighted to be joined by the main man himself, Asan. Good morning, Asan. Morning, Howard. How are you doing? Uh, I'm rompingly good. I love that word. <laughs> feeling better than on Thursday. Yeah, definitely, mate. Yeah. Absolutely, 100% feeling much better. Yeah, the crisis is over. <laughs> for a couple of days at least <laughs> I'll tell you what Thursday morning it did kind of feel like a crisis but okay yeah if we hadn't won That's against football. Cardiff it would have been believe you me uh, <laughs> also delighted to be joined by uh, the one and only Leon hello Leon good morning Howard good morning Asan morning mate how are you doing I'm very well I'm uh, sitting in the rain in London listening to Be Here Now a very underrated Oasis album ah good start just... good morning can I just say it's a beautiful sunny day in Manchester? So. Indeed, is it is. And can I also can I also just say it? Be here now is a podcast in and of itself, which one day we'll do. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, carry on. We'll branch out into music. Yeah, podcast. definitely. Yeah, brilliant. Right. Well, we've got no opening question today because uh, I think we've covered the rest of the footballing world in the last couple of weeks. Anyway, so I think we'll get straight on to what was a very enjoyable ninety minutes. So uh, let's look at the lineup then. Uh, for once, I think on the preview, I almost called this right. So it was uh, Edison, uh, but then, you know, a stopped clock is uh, and all that. Edison, Walker, Otamendi, Laporte, Del Fernandinho, Gundogan, Sane, Sterling, Aguero. Hey, uh, Sam, I'll start with your thoughts with that lineup. As I expected, I kind of, I, I hoped that David Silva's ankles would be uh, would be given a break from from Cardiff's thuggery, um, and that that proved to be the case. Bernardo was moved central again. Sterling and Sane and Aguero back as a front three. Um, the only question was Otamendi or Vinny. Yeah, and I probably before the game would have plumped for Vinny, maybe out of nostalgia or out of loyalty or something. But that's the only, yeah, that's that's the only kind of thing that I could have questioned. Uh, just quickly, then, I think the Port's played every match. Is he? These things change, yeah, like the wind, but direction. But is Laporte now Premier number one defender, the first name on the team sheet? Definitely. He's the only. That I surprised think you, or because Stones? We were building up. We were building up Laporte and Stones as the partnership for the future. Yeah. But Stones seemed to be the senior. You know, he was the one that was going to bring this side forward. Mm. Uh, but Laporte is just slowly in the background. Is a. Uh, you know, like cemented himself into this team. I think the thing with Laporte is that he really is Mister Consistency. I think that. I feel as though with all the other centre-halves that we've got, they've got a 5 out of 10 performance in them and you don't really know when it's coming. Uh, and Laporte is the only one who never drops below 7 out of 10. Yeah. And for that reason and that reason alone, I think he's he will, for the rest of the season, continue to be the first-choice centre-half when he's fit. That's fair enough. Uh, your, your thoughts, was that... I mean, I've, I've written in the blog about... I watched this at home, which is uh, quite rare, which meant that I got to go on social media a lot and the shrieking when the team sheet comes out is astonishing. Uh, when you saw that team sheet, were you actually quite happy with it? Yeah, I was in a noisy pub in Cardiff before the game and uh, I got it on Twitter. And, you know, I was excited by that team, actually. It feels, uh, it felt balanced. And uh, like you are saying about Laporte, I think, you know, he is the real deal. So I was... Um, I was quite happy. I mean, I think obviously it's KDB and Silver, but that's pretty much near near to our strongest lineup. I know we've got the Mendy option, but no, I was very happy with that side. Yeah, I think the obviously it's the Fernandinho Gundogan uh, worry after Wednesday night, but obviously playing Cardiff is not the same as playing Leon. So mm. uh, we'll move on to that. That only fifteen minutes, Ace, and then uh, pouring with rain. Tough place to go, even if you're playing a, what is, let's face it, a very average side. But we know they're going to make life difficult. How did you feel in that opening 15 minutes? I should say I felt pretty calm after five minutes, which is rare for me, because I could see that they weren't going to get the ball much. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, uh, I don't think that we were great in the opening 15 minutes. I think it was edgy, and I think there was 
a real lack of movement from the midfield, um, which made it very difficult to build or create anything. Um, and I, it was, I was a bit worried. I'll be really honest. Like it, it you kind of t- between minute five and minute 15, uh, I, I was kind of sat there going, yeah, we need to play better than this. But I ought, I also felt as though there was like a switch around 15 minutes where suddenly they started finding gaps and the back four began to find the midfield players and the midfield players were then linking with the forwards. I don't know, it just, it happened really quickly and it seemed to come, I don't know what happened at a certain moment, Delph was at right back and Walker was in the centre of defence. Everybody was all over the shop and suddenly there was space everywhere and I don't know where it, kind of came from or what happened or whether it was just because there'd been a set piece and nobody was in position or whether suddenly Pep had gone right everybody shuffle around and stand in a different position but there was some type of there was a moment that happened where people were in the wrong position and maybe because they were all in different positions than they would normally be and suddenly there was space um so yeah it the I was nervous in that opening 15 but then there was a change and I don't know what the change was, but suddenly there was space. And as soon as that happened, everything changed. As soon as we started getting control of the ball around their box, as soon as we started playing balls into their box, dangerous balls into their box, it felt like everything changed. Yeah. Leon, uh, your thoughts on this? I mean, it's not really, obviously elsewhere, Liverpool already 2-0 up in quick time. United are winning. Not that, I'm not sure if we count them as a title contender uh, rival. So, do we really care about that? Uh, but it's not. It's not often the city way to come out and try and, you know, blast away the opposition and get the game won by half time. So, were you worried in this opening fifteen minutes, or does it, is this just a city way that dominate the ball and over ninety minutes chances are just going to start stacking up the longer the game goes on? Yeah, I think you've nailed it there. I mean. Obviously, I'd say there was a slight hangover from Wednesday and the first 15. And um, and obviously, they're getting used to slightly changing personnel. But no, I mean, there was no point I was actually nervous. But like you say, with our domination of possession and breaking teams down and sort of stifling any movement on the, you know, the counter-press, I wasn't worried at all. It just needs that opening. Obviously, some of our games, we don't get that opening goal um, in the first half. And then, you know, there's, we start playing edgy. But I think as long as we get that first goal in the first um, half, then we can really come out and play. So, no, I wasn't I wasn't particularly nervous. But like Asan said, it, was, um, it wasn't very fluid in that first. I think that's spot on. I think, I think what you've said there is spot on as well about needing that first goal and maybe sometimes needing... I, I, think, I think against Cardiff, we certainly needed a goal in the first half. I mean, in the end, we got three, but yeah. like... Up until the up until the opening goal, it was a bit edgy, bit nervous. wasn't really what you know wasn't really at a really high level. And then the first goal comes, and everything changes. Did it, Leon? In the ground, did it feel like after that first goal, something clicked collectively within the, within the team, or could you already see in the run up to the first goal that okay, they're finding spaces here. It's going to happen now. Yeah, you could kind of see it coming, but I'd say in in the stadium, the fans were fairly nervous. I mean, a lot of them were drunk already, but they were. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Really? Away at Cardiff? They they, they were singing quite a few new songs, so they were very happy with that. But but no, I think it was a bit cagey. It was a bit nervy. And then, yeah, I mean, even the singing and and it it really kind of... um, set the tone of the rest of the day after that first goal went in. And obviously when it's Sergio as well, I think it means even more to everybody when he scores because he's so keen to score and um, and everything was lifted after that, really. I mean, apart from Phil Foden, I was dying for him to score. I think he's always the most popular scorer, isn't he? Yeah. I, I wasn't, I didn't feel, I mean, obviously you always won that first goal. Uh, so in a way I am on edge, but I just felt, quite comfortable because the threats I thought were going to come from Cardiff were just non-existent 
Did you think Cardiff would pose a threat? Yeah, of course. All, all, any team can. All you do, lump it, lump it down the channels, get crosses in, get free kicks, fall over, get free kicks near the area, try and get some corners. You know, very basic threats. But team, obviously teams like this, and that's what Warnock's good at, if he frustrates us, if he has players rolling around, of course he can. It's just like, yeah, lumping the ball into, you know, it's not... Not sophisticated football, but mm. for that only twenty minutes, I just they're not get they can't even keep the ball for they had ninety seconds of pressure, I think, over the match in that <laughs> and it was in that first half and commentators were getting quite excited and then it was just gone. You know, basically they kept the ball and got about two crosses in and the ball <coughs> sorry. The ball was cleared and they got it back again and that was it. Yeah, you know, they got a loose ball back and they put another cross in which was dealt with and that was it. And I thought, no, you know, we've got to be patient here. Uh, the just City are playing it's quite cannily. Obviously, I'd obviously prefer us to score earlier, uh, but I didn't feel that threatened by them. I didn't think they had anything to offer whatsoever. So mm. I was I was okay for once. So. But uh, don't you think that, something's changed though? Sorry to jump in. Yeah. Something's changed with us against the lower teams in the last couple of seasons that obviously there was that period when we used to concede late goals, you know, Sunderland and I think Villa, a few other goals. But I just think I'm not at all nervous now against teams like Cardiff away, not at all, which which is sort of dangerous, I suppose, but I'm not yeah. filled with any kind of nerves anymore. I think, yeah, I think, I think Wednesday I, made us uh, all a bit exactly, edgier, to yeah. be honest. Uh, exactly. Without Wednesday, it's just, it's another game. And of course, yeah. we're not top. We're just so used to being top of the league. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if we're going into this with a six-point gap in November, then you're not going to be that much on edge. You know, if we lose a couple of points, it's not the end of the world. But of course, with Liverpool coming up and now at home Southampton, you, you're just on edge because we can't afford to go four or five points behind them. Yeah. You know, going into that game, so you just start. You're probably overthinking things, really. To be honest, uh, mm. the players aren't you know thinking what? like this, so. We Do you know what fear to. I what fear I have? Sorry, Howard. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the, I think that the, whenever we perform badly under Pep, which happens once every four months, the fear I have is that we'll never again be what we were before. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So it's like I watch I watch the Leon game, and then kind of go into go into the game against Cardiff, and my biggest fear is. What happens if it's over? What happens if last season was just like a fluke mm. and we'll never play football like that again? Do you know what I mean? Because it, it because we played at such a high level and we made it look so easy that in a way, then when you watch the Leon game, you kind of go, so which which city is the real city? Were we because you know, I think I think I have that thing in the back of my head that Pep said so often we won't do it again. What we did last season, never going to happen again. It was a one-off. It's never going to happen again. He's kind of, he said that so often that I kind of have this fear that uh, it's a weird one, but I do feel like part of me thinks that a, an element of last season was somehow fluke. And so whenever we have a performance this season that is a bit below par, I know that my instinctive reaction will be like it was after Leon. Well, I'll go, oh man, I wonder if it's over. I wonder if from now on it's just going to be more, we're just going to be a good team as opposed to being that incredible team that we were 12 months ago. Does I mean, that sound nuts? You make me sound positive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's all built on heart. Any club, any any team that puts together like the Invincibles or United's 99 team or whatever, it, it all depends. It's not just on skill. It depends on harmony. And uh, yeah, that just look at last season. The, uh, the the mood in that camp was just amazing, and that in any club that cannot go on forever. So you know, eventually he falls out with someone, or the second season syndrome as well. A second season of retain, you know, after winning a title, that is not a manager. But don't you uh, think with a yeah, event, eventually there has to be a lull? But yeah, that, that's a big jump to saying it'll all fall apart. But there's no room. There's very little room for. Forever in this league, if you want to win the title anymore, you know, seventy points won't do it. It's uh, ninety plus, so yeah. Uh, anyway, the opening goal, uh, Leon. Your thoughts on that? Is that just classic Aguero? It is classic. And, a- and after that, was it just a procession? Do you, th- do you think that changed, as Ace suggested, our mentality? 
Yeah, it did. I mean, you know, as I said earlier, we need that first goal away days like that in the rain. Um, but also, we read, we've all read about Aguero and um, his knees, the best it's been for five years. But he just, I mean, I know we've worried on the podcast last year about Aguero and Pep's relationship. But, you know, you saw, and I always talk about the Amazon documentary, but he's not quite what I thought he would be. I thought he might be slightly difficult character, but he seems to be like, you know, a lovely shy guy who's brilliant yeah. at what he does and con- consummate professional. And this season particularly, and yesterday, he just goes and goes and goes. And like I said, there's no popular, more popular scorer amongst the fans than uh, Aguero. So it was, it, it, it relaxed the team and it was sort of business as usual after that. And it was a great finish, typical Aguero. Yeah. Uh, well, he likes he likes promoted sides. I think that's thirteen in thirteen against promoted sides. So uh, certainly, yeah, a superb record plus two assists as well. Uh, hey, Sam, was that? Yeah, you know, you've wrote in the notes how important was it to get that opening goal? I think it was hugely important. I think it was a. Uh, uh, funnily enough, it's a lovely move, but the bottom line is that that goal for for. For all of the good work that that Bernardo and Gundogan do, that goal is all about Aguero's finish. Yeah, it's a world class finish from a striker in absolute peak form, and I think that when you've got a guy that can do that, it lifts everybody, and he does it. And yeah. for me, the lift is instantaneous from the kickoff. Yeah. It's like I'm not saying they're a different side from the kickoff, but they're just everybody's level goes up. And it's funny because we had this conversation um, after the Leon game about, you know, maybe there wasn't a leader on the pitch. There wasn't somebody who could lead by example or do something to lift everybody. And we talked about the fact that Aguero is one of those guys. And I think that that goal that he scores against Cardiff is exactly what I'm talking about. That, you know, that finish, it's a worldie of a finish. And, you know, that's leading by example. That's going, okay, I'm going to do this now. Um, and yeah, I just felt that as soon as the the goal went in, our tempo went up. Uh, yeah, it was it was just it was exactly what we needed. Really, you, it was exactly. Sorry, did well, you notice the tempo change thereafter, or yeah, is it just the nature that goals? Well, I mean, I think the for opposition this, heads go down a bit, and yeah, I think there's up. an I think there's an element of all of that. Um, but what I would say and maybe I'm being harsh on Wednesday, is that, you know, we were 2-0 down and we got a goal back and we had plenty of time to get an equaliser, but I didn't really feel like the reaction to the to City's first goal on Wednesday was any, in terms of the way we played and the intensity that we played at and the quality that we played with. Yeah. Don't think it was anything like what happened after Aguero's goal against uh, in Cardiff. Because I think that after the Aguero goal in Cardiff, I think the level genuinely from everybody goes up. The intensity goes up. The work rate goes up. The bravery goes up. I mean, so many things that, that just were, you know, I think a few people have said it, but it really felt like, a game from last season after that first goal went in because we were irrepressible at times. But Leon, why why is this different from midweek, do you think? Is it just the nature of the opposition? Or was Wednesday that the wake-up call that everyone hoped it would be? I think a bit of both, to be honest. I think you mentioned on the podcast the other day, it was, Leon was a side where a lot of their big names had points to prove. And it kind of coincided with us not, I don't think we played the right team, but we don't need to go into the details. But it coincided with us not performing, not not us not playing the right side for me, and Leon uh, really performing. So, yeah. Yeah, the team was focused for me, this game. Even with the slow start, they were focused. Uh, all right, let's look at that second goal. I equate it to one of those, a left footer on the right side or a right footer on the left side. Curling a free kick into the far post. Uh, no, you know someone might get ahead on it, but if they don't, it might go in anyway. Uh, Asan, is that was that deliberate or lucky, or is he just well? I'm I'm going with absolutely not? deliberate. Yeah. I think that he finds the space. I think he's found that little pocket of space before um, 
from set pieces. Uh, I think that Sane aims for him. And I think that the header, I mean, he's, I don't know whether he's aiming for the, for the back post or he's just aiming to get it across the, the face of goal. But, you know, that's, it's quality for me. It's still quality. I know that there's maybe an element of luck involved, but there's quality, absolute quality. So I think I'm going to go with it was deliberate. Yeah. I mean, you don't, I don't feel football is silent to analyse his options in that situation anyway. So he's putting it towards the far post. And if it goes in, that does not mean it's lucky. Don't mean he was going for that specific spot, but he knows that it puts it in that area. Either a teammate will get it or it might go all the way, as, you know, as per free kick. So exactly, but yeah, it was. Uh, once that went in, did you feel it was game over then? Already pa- party time, party when, time. Yeah, as soon as the second goal went in. I mean, I don't know, Leon. What was it like in the stands when that second goal went in? I suspect that in many ways that will have been the one that will have calmed everybody down and turned it into party mode. Yeah, it did. I mean, I had a few whispers moving forward that, you know, we, we need six or seven and t- think about goal difference. I mean, I said, all right, mate, <laughs> that's how City fans think there, which is kind of ridiculous, really. But yeah, it, it was a lot more relaxed after that. And, uh, and, yeah. and I mean, for me, it was deliberate. I mean, he's a wizard. I mean, he's messing up my fantasy league side because I keep bringing him in and taking him out because he's not always going to start every game. But um, yeah, no, I mean, what a player and, and, and it, looked, it was completely deliberate for me. And yeah. uh, no, it was a great goal. Yeah, well, that, that goal difference could be crucial because, as, as I said on Twitter last night, we're only, we're only 16 ahead of United now, goal difference-wise. So, <laughs> Wow, is that true? Yeah, that one's it. United's goal difference is zero <laughs> for this season. So ours is plus 16. So, yeah, the maths is quite easy in that uh, respect. So, yeah, ridiculous. After six games, is it? We're two and a half goals ahead of them per match, so, which just says it all, really. Uh, the third goal, Asan, you've about you want to talk about Sterling a bit. I think he's involved in one goal, not two, but it seemed to me he was part of the press a lot more. He was uh, he was nipping the nicking the ball off Cardiff, you know, when they did get it back, and he was everywhere. One superb run that Aguero slammed, you know, was had his shot saved by the keeper. Uh, but just talk about Sterling and that third goal because yeah, uh, he certainly. I think I don't want to be cynical and say he's playing for any contracts, but he's certainly uh, playing as if he deserves that pay rise at the moment. Well, I mean, I think that the the Sterling that we saw uh, yesterday was the Sterling that we saw for much of last season. I think that for all of the for all, there will be people who won't like Sterling or won't like the way that he plays, but I think that he's. I think he's rapidly becoming singularly the most important player in that team after De Bruyne. Um, as much as Aguero's goals are important, you need Sterling up there to create space, to harry, to move the ball forward, to dribble, to... I mean, his the, the difference in his performance between Leon and Cardiff was night and day in terms of how much he sees the ball, what he does when he's got the ball, where he goes to collect the ball. Because I think that was the thing that you saw um, yesterday. He was collecting the ball everywhere. Do you know what I mean? He was yeah. he was, he was, was running into midfield to nick balls off players yeah. to then drive into more space to play it off to somebody else. And I think that, you know, you, if, you, if you kind of rewind back every goal one minute, and the one minute lead up to each of those goals, yeah. Sterling is just absolutely, absolutely key to all of them. So it was really good to see him back at that level after what I thought for him was a really poor performance against Leon. I mean, I for me, uh, for me, Sterling is. I actually hold him to a higher standard now because I think he's that important. And I think that, you know, when those around him aren't delivering, I expect him to step up and deliver. And I felt against Cardiff, he really, from minute one, took it upon himself to to try and affect the game. And equally, Gundogan, after, you know, I mean, I've been critical of him. Football Twitter has been massively critical of him. Uh, you know, 
he needed to put a performance in yesterday. Yeah. He was replacing David Silva and he put in the kind of performance that you expect De Bruyne to put in. And it shows, you know, I mean, at, people can point at the level of opposition, but for me, it doesn't really matter. We're going to be playing parked buses most weeks. And what he showed, I think, like I said the other day, is that when he's got pace in front of him, when because I think that's the thing, when you've got Sterling and Sane, you can open up space for the for the number eights really really quickly and really effectively, um, and that happened. And because he had more space and he found more space, he was just able to affect the game in a much more positive manner. So, and you know, again, it's one of those. He was being sold on Thursday morning. We, I think, we were all <laughs> sat there going, "Yeah, you know, I don't know, is he good enough? Yeah, yeah, yada yada yada." But. Then he puts that performance in, and you, you go, I go back to thinking he walks into every other midfield in the Premier League. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was going to talk about it later, but yeah, uh, Leon, you might as well. Your thoughts now? Does it matter that it was against Cardiff, or it's one goal, one uh, one excellent assist in the second half, and before that, a beautiful through ball from Sterling. Uh, one call it a pre-assist uh, for the first goal as well. You know, we found Bernardo with a nice, yep. precise, crisp pass in the area. Uh, was that much needed? And does this show that we're being, are we being harsh on him? Or is, does he have to do this consistently before we I mean, I, I feel say we, he's worth his place in his team? Yeah, I mean, I feel I'm a big fan and I feel we are harsh on him. I think he's one of those players who needs to be, and, and that's the trouble with the riches of, we've got, is that... Uh, He's not a guaranteed starter every week. In most of the Premiership clubs, he would be, and he'd be a leader. And and I think he needs that. Like De Bruyne, you know, plays every game. I think to see him, to see the best of him, he'd need to have that. He'd need to play every game. But you know, I think he works better with Aguero playing as well rather than Jesus on Wednesday. Yeah. I think it gives him a lot more options, more control and space. But no, I'm a big fan. I, mean, I spend most of my time at away City games arguing about Sterling and Gundogan because I think Sterling puts himself out there. You know, you know when De Bruyne had a dodgy half of a season, the season before last, because he, he plays those passes he, through the eye of a needle. And if they don't yeah. come off, fans get frustrated, don't they? Because they don't always come off and you have a little bad run, like a, like a striker not scoring goals for a few games. I think Sterling puts himself, you know, above the parapet by making all those runs we, Spot on. We know he has a moment finishing where he's sort of a bit nervous and struggles a bit, but but he puts himself out there all the time. Instead of playing square passes or backward passes, he's off, and therefore he's going to, you know, get stick. But yesterday, I mean, I just watched match today. Uh, he was unbelievable. But because he has three or four times he makes the wrong choice or gives the ball away, the fans jump on him, say he's not worth the money and he's not this and not that. But... I mean, he's a he's a brilliant player, and, and and we need him, and he creates so much for us. And also, I'm, Leon, Leon, sorry, I was just going to ask you: Would you describe him as world class now? I'd say he was getting pretty close, pretty close. I mean, after last season, I'd say he was getting close. I mean, it is a sh- it is a shame because even I sort of it happened in the England games as well. I you know I, I stick up for him, and then people look at me and it's like, oh god, yeah, all right, that was shit. But so I do feel, but I think another another season under Pep, another ten percent improvement on his um, final ball or finish or running into you know nowhere. I think yeah, he's he's sure, a bit like where Bale went to Real Madrid. Bale had a season, didn't he, before it to Real Madrid, and he was went from a great player to world class. I think his last season at Tottenham. I think I think yeah. he probably needs another great season like last season and to and to make the right option a few more times. And I think, yeah, he'll be world-class. So I'd say he's pretty close. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of stats. Yeah, stats. We may already, everyone listeners might know already. Sterling's been directly involved in 33 league goals since the start of last season. And no one tw- under 23 has a better record in the Europe's you know, top five leagues. In fact, the next, the second best is 27, Maxi Gomez. And if you look at... Uh, Premier League assists since the start of last season for the whole Premier League. Kevin De Bruyne, 16. 
Leroy Sane 16, Sterling 12. So the top three are all City players. Wow. Which tells you, tells you a lot, to be honest. Uh, so there you go. Uh, right, it can't be a... Well, it can't be a, a Cardiff City match without a horrific challenge. So, Asan, take it away. Joe Rawl, I've said, compared to last season's butchery, savagery in the, uh, the FA Cup match, this doesn't quite compare. But I think we're quite clear on this. That is a red card offence. Why, why does Michael Oliver not give it? Mate, I, I, I don't even know why you'd say that it doesn't compare. That's one of the worst challenges that I've seen. Oh, no, it's not as bad as the one be on the receiving end of. No. I just felt, I, I, I don't know how, uh, I, I personally, I can only think that the referee has decided that he doesn't want to give a red card yeah. because it's just cruel on Cardiff because they will, you know, probably ship 10 goals if they lose a man. Because in terms of the law, I don't know how you can justify a yellow card when the boot is that high, when the studs... I mean, boot, knee height, studs showing, force, pretty close to full force. The dictionary definition of a red card, violent conduct, and an extra ban on top of that. So the idea that it's just a booking is is frankly laughable. And ah, I don't know what else to say. What, Leon, anything oh, else I mean, say? no, it was horrific. I saw it in slow motion about half an hour ago and horrific. I, mean, I don't know what Warnock said, how he can defend that. I didn't. I missed what he had to say about it. But, no, I, I try not to listen to <laughs> But he, um, no, horrific tackle. And if you think, you know, if that was done by some of the sort of Premier League, Premier League bad boys, that would be all over the front pages, you know, back pages. You know? Yeah. yeah, horrific. I mean, I'd, yeah. And now, because he had the yellow, there's nothing we can do. And you know what? I want to say something else. It happens, like, within a minute of Gundogan scoring. I mean, the ref, he's, he's a moron. Like, he's got to know that, it, that uh, the lad's done him because he's just scored a world-class goal. I mean, on every level, that referee should be dishing out a red card and going, get off the pitch. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it's... It's well, unfathomable how you don't give it completely. Yeah, as Zaha said. I've not seen a single neutral, sorry, Howard, I've not seen a single neutral say anything other than how the fuck has he not given that as a red card? Yeah. Excuse my language. Yeah, well, Zaha said last week they're not getting protection players. And at some point, I mean, last season, City were staggeringly lucky not to have had at least two, two more leg-breaking challenges, you know, like season-ending Injuries to players. Very, very lucky that we didn't have players out for the whole season. So, and it's when you let people away with yellow cards like that that they'll keep doing it. Uh, and Oliver was just—he said it. Asan was three 0 up. He didn't want to do a red card in the second half. There was a six, was it a six-minute stoppage to have a player stretched off? Yeah. Plus six substitutions, and he plays three minutes. Yeah. That is. Now you cannot. They're Cut making game sure because it's five nil. If there's eight They're minutes of injury time, you play eight minutes of injury time. You don't think, oh, I feel a bit sorry for Cardiff. I'll stop this game now because City, you know, if City lose the the league by one goal on goal difference. Then you say, well, why did he end that game early? It's like you've still got to play the game. It was right on your armchair. They had it was fucking freezing there though, so I'm not that upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> No, but the same happened in Liverpool, didn't it? Champions League. You know, there were like six minutes of injury time in the first half and there was nothing. There shouldn't be. It's like like the legal process and there shouldn't be any sort of... The rule is the rule. Mm. Yeah, totally the rule. I mean, I just... I, I, I think that what bothers me is that there was already conversations going into the game about... Bennett's challenge last season, about the challenges in general that Cardiff put in last season on City, the referee will have known going into the game that there's a little bit of history. The challenge itself is not a marginal decision. It's not one that on any level, if you see it, that you can argue that it's anything but a red card. And to not give it kind of, you know, it's, it's tantamount to it's tantamount to not giving a goal 
that goes in for me anyway. It's just, it's one of those things where one day it's going to take a manager to go, you know what? I'm taking all of my players off the pitch. Fuck off. We're not doing this anymore. We're not going to play a game when there's challenges like that going in and the referees aren't doing anything about it. Because yeah. it, it's something, the, the reality is that like Zaha said last week, either somebody does something, a manager does something or a player does something by walking off the pitch and going, I'm not putting up with that. Yeah. Or it's going to take somebody to be seriously hurt. And it speaks volumes about the kind of attitude of the, the officials in this country that they seem genuinely not asked. They seem genuinely to think that, all right, we'll just, you know, let's wait until there is a broken leg and then suddenly everybody will get red cards for everything. I mean, it just... But that's why they're not at the yeah. World Cup because we've got shit referees. Exactly. You wonder why there's no refs at the World Cup. Well, that's th- there's your answer uh, right there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think, in, I think you need to read my blog for me to rubbish that one. So, <laughs> I did have a go at people saying that in my blog. Saying what? Why we don't have referees at the World Cup. We did have a referee at the World Cup. It was Clattenburg. But he went and took a gig in the Middle East instead, didn't he? So, oh, is yeah. that right? Yeah. Because he okay. ref the final, didn't he, in 14? Yeah, so he was our choice. But yeah. then I think he took a, a lucrative job somewhere in the Middle East and we weren't allowed to replace him. But Ah, uh, okay. I don't, so I did I don't, get argue, with, I don't argue with the general point, though, that, yeah, exactly. I don't think they're held in very high regard anyway, the English referees right now. Uh, I think we'll always have one chosen for like, a finals, but the key, yeah, the, the general point's fine that but, they're not held in high regard. I don't think we'd have got... You know, a referee. I don't think Clatterberg would have got the final or any of those, you know, later ones, unless unless he'd had a really good tournament. To be honest, so. But tell yeah, me, would, would VAR next season if VAR VAR's in? Would that is there a way that decisions like that can be reversed, or would a referee consult a tackle like that, or not? I suspect I'd be very I'd be very very surprised if the fourth or the fifth official whoever's watching yeah. whoever's watching the VAR feed I'd be very surprised if before he even pulls the yellow card out the the VAR dude didn't say in his ear that's a red card right because okay. that's it, it's I think that in in an instant in an ins, in with an incident like that where for me it's a clear and obvious red card I think that the, and I think that, you know what, that's the other thing. I think that with VAR, refs will be less quick. to like That's the thing. He bottles it, and he bottles it probably because part of him feels like he doesn't want to punish Cardiff because they're 3-0 down, and because part of him feels like, and it'll be even worse if the replays show that it's not a red, so it's best to just play safe and give a yellow. Whereas if VAR is there, then he could just take his time and wait for the VAR yeah. official to tell him what colour the card should be. And I think you saw a lot of that in the World Cup and it took a lot of pressure yeah. off the referees. Um, and maybe there is that thing in England that they do feel that the refs feel that they're scrutinised too much and managers talk too much and too much pressure is applied to them. So they don't make big decisions. So VAR, VAR will help in that respect as well. Yeah. I mean, obviously, can it get involved? Well, it's just a video system, and it can be used however you want. But mm. yeah, it's it's supposed to be to clear and obvious errors and bring it so on, really. Else. so they can communicate from their studio in another location to the referee. Hold off. We need to look at this. We think it might be a red. Exactly. I don't. Yeah, there's no reason why they can't use it for that. It's a clear and obvious error. Good. Well, it's not an error if he's not done anything yet. So, but you know, it depends. The rules will be set down on what it's used for and what it isn't. So I don't know. Yeah, there's no reason why it can't be. I know it's uh, not. It's, but yeah, the Roman, it's, it's goals, red cards, penalties, and mistaken identity. Right. So obviously that comes under the red cards remit. So yeah, I would hope it would be used for, for instances like that. Yeah. And I think it is coming in next season. Isn't it? It's like quite likely. So anyway, yeah. thank God Gundogan was out second half and he was fine. Uh, second half, Asan, how was the tempo for you considering with three goals? You see this a million times in football matches. A goal, a game's done by half-time. Even so, at Fulham, as soon as we got the third goal, 
And then it, it, you know, a team's up three or four half time, then doesn't score in the second half because they just coast over the line. But did you think City? We've talked about this. We talked about this for the Leon review that we coasted of Fulham and maybe paid for it against Leon. Did you feel that this was the tempo stayed okay or was City's? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, we were just we were much more like we were last season in terms of. We came out in the second half feeling like we're going to embarrass these and we did our best to embarrass them. Um, yeah, the, the tempo was right. And not just tempo, the quality of the football that we played, the relentlessness of the way in which we won the ball back when we lost it, of the way in which the forward players rarely look sideways and look backwards, constantly looking forwards. Um, I mean, you know, in a weird way, I felt as though the Aguero substitution um, for Mares and and Sterling going central kind of opens the game up even more. Like it just, it felt like we got even more attacking after that. So no, it was uh, it was really, really, really impressive and absolutely the it was just it was the tonic that we needed after after Leon. Maybe I'm, it's not. I feel as though I'm not being particularly analytical or insightful, but I think sometimes there's heart. And there's desire before there's quality, and I think that second half they come out and there's heart and there's desire and there's a an intention to to keep playing and to keep scoring until it's over, and that's the way we need to play. I've said this before, but this team is not built to drop down to third, second, or third gear and try and see games out. Yeah, uh, right. Well, the. Uh fourth goal didn't realise at the time was a 20 pass move which is the most in the Premier League so far this season uh, not quite as good as some of City's efforts last season uh, beautiful little was it Sterling who put the ball through to Gundogan yeah yep. yeah brilliant little ball through there Gundogan's run was superb as well coming you know absolutely powered from deep I think perfect cross uh, and Mahrez on in the second half don't know about half an hour. Uh, gets his first goal for City. So, Leon, I want to talk about Mares. How happy were you? So, I mean, his fifth goal as well was just yeah, that's the Mares I remember for Leicester. Just gets the ball, just absolutely power and whips it into the far corner. Clinical. How good's that for him? You know, we've we said he's had a very slow start. He struggled a bit, and he's already <laughs> probably the you know top ten goal scorers this season now in about fifteen minutes. So oh. are we over? Yeah, have we gone? Obviously, players do take time. We've seen it with Bernardo. We've seen it with loads of players. Even David Silva. Uh, how happy were you to see that that cameo from him? No, I was chuffed. I was also chuffed that it wasn't Hazus or Sterling who scored a tap in because they'll get accused of being <laughs> tapping merchants. It's the way we play. It's not about being a tapping merchant. It's the way we play. We create that space. Those. And yeah, it was good to see him score there. I mean, again, a bit like Gundogan, Mares would walk into 17 of the other Premiership teams starting every week. Uh, so I think it is hard for probably char- his character as well to just cameo performances. Um, so again, but what do you do? I don't know. There's no answer to that because he wouldn't get in the first 11 week in, week out. So I was chuffed to see it because you want him as a happy squad player. And, uh, and yeah, I don't want to jump ahead, but the second goal was... Um, was brilliant as well, but I was yeah, I was really pleased. Yeah, uh, hey Sand, we'll, we'll look at some players then. Uh, Otamendi, your thoughts at the back for him coming in, uh, getting some game time now. Really impressed with the general. Got to be honest with you. Um, probably of the centre halves that we have, he's probably my least favourite. Um, I still wouldn't trust him in the biggest of big games. Yeah. But I think that we saw why we call him the general yesterday. I think that when he plays like that, against opposition like that, when he plays like that, it's exactly what you need. He, he, he played with a, he played with a sharpness and a decisiveness. Um, yeah, I think that's the big thing with Otamendi is that he, he does swing from, kind of being this aggressive but intelligent defender to doing things that sometimes feel a bit, well, not a bit, a lot naive. Um, And I don't think, I think that when he doesn't do those naive things like he didn't do yesterday, 
then you feel really, really, really secure with whatever the opposition are going to pump at him, whether it's going to be a long ball or whether he's going to have to square a defender up, um, square an attacker up and take the ball off them. I was just, yeah, very impressed. And you know what? Very pleased because I think that he was a massive player for us last season. And it, regardless of my personal preference about preferring the the three in front of him or whatever. I think that when you, you've been as big a player as he was last season, to then have a really difficult World Cup, I was just happy to see him back and, and playing and, and playing in a in a city team that was winning and, and winning well. Yeah. Uh, Leon, your thoughts? Stones on as a defensive midfielder, something that's been whispered about in the past that he could do uh, how do you think he, he did or do we again do we not take much from yeah I mean I wouldn't take him doing it at this stage in the game where we're absolutely dominant yeah I wouldn't take too much from it but you know it's like we've said before you could lose two or three personnel you know out of the sort of first pick 11 and it makes no difference yeah. you know it, it's the way they play and it's the and and the system and it seems the person though it doesn't matter. I mean, that's what's incredible about this squad and this team that you didn't even notice him put a foot wrong. You know, you remember back the days when was it Pellegrini who put um, Demichelis in holding midfield in a Champions League game? Was that right? Was it? It, it, yeah, it yeah. was Pellegrini, wasn't it? <clears throat> yeah, because he's the only him. manager. He's the only manager at City who coached Demichelis. Yeah, but... and, and and you saw that's the difference, is it? It was, it was a nightmare. It was a complete nightmare in that game. And whatever Pep does, I mean, Champions League's different, I suppose, but it's, it's, it's the system and that seems to always work. So, yeah, it was seamless, Stone sitting there. And just on Otamendi, I do think Otamendi will be a Zabaleta of this squad and he'll in 10 years' time he'll get a huge... Um, Huge city farewell because I think he's a great, great player uh, and a squad and a good squad player and obviously a decent guy. So I, I, I'm a big fan. Yeah, uh, Aside, Foden got a, a bit more time than he normally does. Well, sometimes it's zero, but you know, I, I see a little point bringing him on for eight minutes here and there. I think he got a bit more than that, didn't he? Almost half an hour. What did mm. you think? I felt again, circumstances. There's a caveat to this. Great time to come on, but I felt for me if, that he was enjoying himself out there, and he just yeah, he seemed a natural fit. Didn't seem out of place on that pitch. Your thoughts on his uh, performance? Yeah, I loved it. I mean, I think he's. Uh, I think he looks bigger. Is it just me, or did he look bigger than than last season? I mean, obviously he's only seventeen, eighteen, so he's still growing, but. <clears throat> He looked. Uh, he looked to be bigger. No, I just. I just. He looks really comfortable playing in this city team, and in many respects, and this isn't a criticism of Gundogan or of Mares, but I feel as though Bowden for me, he just. He looks more naturally suited to playing in this city team in that midfield than than Gundogan and, and Mares do because of what he brings. Because I think it, it I think it is the the combination of the technical quality quality that he has with the kind of very British dynamism that that he has. And I think sometimes like so for example Gundogan yesterday puts in an incredibly dynamic performance, but at the same time on Wednesday he's anemic you know he, he's not affecting anything um and i think that foden is is consistently more dynamic even if he will probably make more mistakes over uh over 90 minutes than gundam will just through through sheer inexperience so now i was really 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 pleased with with the 20 20 minutes 20 minutes he got maybe a little bit more than 20 minutes yeah, bit, yeah. um it would have or oh, that chance when he goes through oh, yeah. <sighs> If he scores that, oh, that would have been quite a celebration in the stands, I imagine. Um, but yeah, no, I was uh, I was really pleased for him and really impressed. And I just don't, man, I'm so desperate for him to start a game. So desperate for him to start a game, and not against Oxford or <laughs> well, against it. Yeah, no, but I mean, no, but that's sort of my point is that I want to see Phil Foden this season starting a Premier League game, and if he doesn't start a Premier League game, then. I will say something about it. And I, you know, I'm 
Yeah. I just, I think that he deserves already, he deserves the opportunity to start in a Premier League game. Um, just before you move over to Leon, I want to go back to Stones in defensive midfield. Stones is definitely not a defensive midfielder. And seeing him for, for 15 minutes in, in defensive midfield just reinforced for me the fact that he's definitely not a defensive midfielder. He just cannot... Uh, he, he, he's fine when he's looking forwards, but he can't be collecting the ball with uh, with his back to the midfield and then having to turn and spray it. He's just he's yeah. not going to do that ever. So, no, he's not a defensive midfielder. And that's fine for 15 minutes to give Fernandinho a rest. But if that's our option, then we need another option very, very, very soon. Yeah, I mean, again, it depends when you're doing it. You know, at home to Cardiff, he'd probably be fine with it, wouldn't he? But, yeah. Not for 90 minutes. Oh, he would, because he wouldn't get tested, so... But, anyway, yeah, it's not... I don't think we're going to be seeing a lot of it, so I don't think it, you know, anything to worry about at this point, unless it would have to be uh, quite an injury crisis for things like that to start happening, so... Yeah, no, but I've seen a few weird shouts. Uh, I mean, granted, it's football Twitter, but I have seen a few weird shouts from people going, oh, my God, Stones was amazing in defensive midfield. I'm just like, no, 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 no. That's, you know, that's closing a game out with 15 minutes to go when you're 5-0 up is pretty much the only time that you break glass and you bring stones yeah. in and play him in, in, in defensive midfield. That's that's my shout. How did it look How did it look for you, Liam? No, I mean, like I said, I didn't really notice it, to be honest with you. Uh, he just, you know, he's good on the ball. But actually, he's not even the right build to be defensive midfielder. That might sound peculiar to some, but... You know, it is the Makalele, no, the Fernandinho, right. the little uh, De Jong, Rottweiler. You know, he's not even... I mean, they try to play Dyer, don't they, for England, and it doesn't work. It needs to be a, a little Rottweiler who's good at spraying the ball around, you know, Kante-esque. So, no, it's not going to work long-term, but it will do on a day like that. Um, but I was really excited. Foden, I hadn't seen him for that long live before, and he has that sort of Gaza-esque squagger swagger and he's sort of exciting each time he gets the ball you wouldn't want him to go overboard on that because again he's you know he's got to try and show what he can do in a small amount of time and you can end up giving the ball away but um i mean it gave birth to the song he's one of our own which is like that annoying harry kane song but, <laughs> but he is and, and it is exciting and i must say we were, everyone was so gutted when that didn't go in but i think he's such an exciting prospect it's just like we've talked about it, haven't we with with Mares, with Gundogan, with Sane, how do you fit all these players that would walk into any other side in the Premier League in and keep them all happy? That's the that's the job he has. But Foden was re- really exciting, you could, and you could feel a buzz in the stadium each time he got the ball, which was which is great. And, you know, with this City team with all these players, it's great to have someone local and and the fans really really get behind him. Mm. Hey, but, Howard. Do you- can I ask you something? I'm, Depends what I, it is. Well, <laughs> the the thing is, whenever whenever Foden has a cameo, right, he'll generally he'll misplace one pass, yeah, maybe a couple, and they're generally simple passes. And I think that a lot of people would look would point at that and go, "Well, you see, it kind of shows that he's still young and he still needs time." Um, do you think it's also do you think you could also make the argument that actually what he needs is 90 minutes that you know you're in terms of getting there's no better way of getting used to playing under that pressure than actually playing under that pressure and if you're just getting 10 minutes here 10 minutes there you are more there is going to be more pressure on you because it's a, a very small amount of time and even if you're five nil up with 15 minutes to go you feel a bit more pressure yeah. than if you start the game does that make sense oh yeah of course I mean the best thing for Foden's development to make him the best player possible is that he plays every single game that is as simple as that he needs to play football firstly but even better if he's playing it with these players rather than you know a youth game here and there or the Carabao Cup though that's better than nothing Carabao Cup will still be good for him so you know because he's still learning and developing. The obviously downside to that is, you know, can we afford to... It's the, it's the balance between letting a player develop in the team against 
if he's not playing, we play a season international, and it you know it could cost us points. But the the obvious it's obviously in his it's an advantage for him and his development if he plays. And yeah, twenty just endless substitution uh, substitute appearances will not really tell us that much. No. So what's the answer? Because no. he's not. Go- well, Pep says he's going to get lots of games, so we just have to wait. I, I don't know. I don't. I know there's no there's no leeway in this division. There's no for top managers. There's just no. Pep's expected to win the league this season. He's expected to go for the Champions League. He's expected to win everything and go for everything. And it's the balance between a, a manager who knows his results. Is you know he's he's judged on results. Simple as that, really. Uh, against letting a player develop, which could affect results. It, I mean, let's be honest, it's not going to make that much of a difference. If he puts Foden in at home to Brighton, our chances of winning do not go down 50%, do they? So it's it's up to Pep to be brave and play him in the game like that. I, I completely agree. Yeah, no. When would you play him, Asan? You know, your manager, what do you do with him now? To be honest, and I, I, I think that I think next summer is the time, but I think that next summer somebody needs to be removed from Fodden's pathway into that first team. And I don't care who it is, but one of those one of those number eights needs to be moved and Fodden needs to be given that opportunity. Um, I don't think that as much as, you know, as much as you're right, there is absolutely pressure on Guardiola. Um, and you're right, there's no leeway for managers. All of that stuff is absolutely correct, but it's also absolutely correct that we've got loads of options for that number eight position. And I think that it'd be different if you were looking at the squad and you were sort of going, ooh, but who can we, you know, you, you need that depth there. We've got loads of depth there. And I think that not to be, you know, this isn't a conversation about Gundogan or Foden, but it kind of eventually is going to become that conversation because David Silva's going nowhere. Kevin De Bruyne is going nowhere. Bernardo Silva is going nowhere. I think that the battle between Foden and Gundogan for that position needs to be a battle, but I think it needs to be a fair one. Guardiola said at the start of the season that Phil is like every other member of the squad. If he deserves to play, he'll play. Now, I don't know... Maybe in training, Gundogan is absolutely next level and Foden is, you know, a shy mouse and, and doesn't perform. But somehow I find that hard to believe. And I think that for all the lip service that Pep pays to, you know, Foden's good enough and he should be playing for England now. And, you know, if he performs in training, he'll play for us. Well, he's got to play and not just in the Carabao Cup. And you have to... You have to, it's carrot and the stick sometimes, but you have to give him a carrot as well. And I don't think that, you know, 20 minutes when you're 4-0 up is a carrot. I don't think the Carabao Cup is a carrot for a lad with the talent that Foden's got. And, you know, he's at City. And I think because he's at City and because there's so much pressure and because there's so much depth, we don't realise just how good he is. I think he's at a level that already at other top six clubs he'd be playing and he'd be playing every week and people would be going, that's like a Rooney level talent because that's basically for me what he is. He's a Wayne Rooney level of talent in that he might be 17 or 18 years old, but actually that's irrelevant. What's relevant is how good he is. Yeah. And then that's why, yeah, there's talk of Rabiot on a free next summer. Uh, Yeah. I'm not saying they're the same players. You think, well, on a free, that's a, that's a steal. You know, take him what we've got to lose, but then that's just another, that's another person in the squad that's blocking his, I'm not saying they're identical players, but it's another squad member that's blocking his progress because, and it's, you know, suddenly it's not such a big deal. You're right, a path has to open, but there's not there's not a wealth of 18-year-olds playing in the Premier League. They're still ridiculously young, but you want by the end of the season, you want his, his pitch time to, you know, as a graph, it just has to steadily go up and up and up. Uh, fitness permitting uh, and I'll be happy with that as, as long as it just slowly increases that's fine uh, right finally I think we've covered everything you man in the match I'll start with you Leon Sterling or Gundogan I'll go with Gundogan alright uh, you A Sam um, I'm giving it Sterling All right. yeah it's Gundogan for me 
think he's earned it after all the criticism. But yeah, I mean, I probably pick three players easily, couldn't you? So, uh, which is good. Right, very briefly. Uh, no rest for the wicked. We've got Oxford on Tuesday. Uh, start with you, Leon. How do we approach this? We've won this competition three times in the last few years. Well, last year, I felt like we weren't really taking it that seriously, but we just went all the way anyway. Uh, you know, with like Wolves' performance was nothing great. West Brom away was good in patches. Obviously, we needed penalties twice. Leicester, Wolves, it was... Leicester City wasn't that it, convincing, was it? No, but then we went all the way and we took it. Obviously, once you get to the final, you take it a bit more seriously. Uh, we know it's the fourth priority competition for us, so... What first? How would you approach this? Picking the team on Tuesday, Oxford themselves are in not in a very good state, to be honest. Uh, don't know how they'll approach the match, but they'll probably feel with the big boys in town compelled to take this seriously. Uh, how much would you shuffle this? I said, I'm not, or should we even? Are we even playing to get out? Get out I mean, of the I, 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 you've said it before, and we said it on a podcast a few weeks ago that that February buzz of winning a trophy is big. For me, I think it kind of helps the rest of the season uh, with with the new the change in format. I don't think it's that big a deal. I it's a bit like Foden. Um, I'm not entirely sure how to manage it, but I certainly wouldn't want to see you know six or seven young players playing in you know like they did against Chelsea in the FA Cup those years ago under yeah. Pellegrini. I'd want to see you know three or four regular first teamers three or four um, bench players and then three youth team players, you know, younger players who we see yeah. a lot like Zinchenko and Foden and Brahim. So, yeah, I mean, a str- pretty much like I did last year. I mean, I don't know whether they changed the goalkeeper. Like, obviously, Bravo played them all last year and whether they're going to change over. I expect they will. Anderson starting, yeah, in the Carabao no. Cup. So. so I think that's yeah, it. But, no, I think they've got to take it seriously because I think it's a good trophy to win. Yeah, I think, yeah, no, I think that's about the right balance for me. Three, three. Uh, you've got players like Mares, who, you know, obviously he's made his impact, but game time. Foden and Diaz played, you know, Brahim played last season. The lad had like Adam Bio in defence, and you can see a lot of the same. Uh, Asan, final say for you, how will you approach this? Uh, Murich, uh, is Luke Bolton fit? Oh, I don't know. Okay, so I hope so because he was. Yeah, so if Bolton is fit, I play Bolton at right back, Adarabayo and Vinny, but that probably won't happen because Pep will definitely want a ball player in there. So I suspect that it'll be uh, Vinny and. Maybe Vinny and Otamendi. Maybe we'll see Vinny and Otamendi again. Um, Left-backs in Chenko, midfield, um, definitely not Fernandinho. So Gundogan, Foden, and Bernardo Silva. Front three, I would go with Brahim Diaz, Gabriel Jesus, and Riyad Mahrez. So that's the team that's that a, I would pick. Shout. Bernardo, did you say? Brahim Diaz. Oh, no, I thought you said Bernardo Silva in there, but did I just imagine that? No, in in uh, I think in centre mid, yeah. you, Bern- Bernardo would probably. What did I say? Um, Don't know Foden, if Gundogan. Him, yeah. yeah, no, the, yeah, Foden, Gundogan, and Bernardo Silva in oh, yeah. uh, in in centre mid because I don't think there are many options. Um, lower down in the youth teams in centre mid, unless Pep suddenly wants to give Claudio Gomez a run out, the young French lad that we signed in the summer. Oh yeah, you know what? Let's go with that. Let's go with Claudio Gomez, um, Ilke Gondouin and Phil Foden as the uh, as the midfield three. There you go. Well, Luke Bolton tweeted on the 31st of August he was looking forward to getting back on the pitch that night. So excellent. I hope he's okay. fit because yeah, I enjoyed seeing him in, uh, in pre-season. I thought he was excellent. Yeah. So. Me too. Uh, yeah. Do you want us to go out of this competition or if we just keep yes. playing those sort of teams, does it not really hamper us? Well, no. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I, think, I think this season we want to get knocked out of this. That's my vibe. I don't think we want to be thinking about the League Cup. And also, I think we want to be taking those rests wherever we can get them. And if we can get rests when we're supposed to be playing League Cup games, I'd say that all day long. But don't you think, like, for someone like Bravo last season, you could see the animosity between him and Pep. 
That gave him a bit of a buzz winning that trophy last season, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I don't give a shit about squad players <laughs> in that sense. Like, no, seriously, no, like you enough. know, like senior sen- senior players senior players at City uh, know what the score is. I'm more asked about Phil Foden and Brahim Diaz and guys yeah, like that's that. A good and, point. That's a good point. You know, I think that from their perspective, absolutely, the Carabao Cup could be a really, really, really cool competition for them. Um, but with Phil, I think he's already a level above that. I've already said that earlier. Mm. I think he should be starting Premier League games. So, uh, so yeah. But I mean, okay, like I say we should get knocked out, but at the same time, there'll be loads of people listening to this podcast going, well, where do you expect Fodden to get games then if he's going to get knocked, if we're going to get knocked out? And where do you expect Brahim maybe to get games? And Luke Bolton, and it's true that, you know, if we can play, and Murich as well, I'd love to see Murich in goal. He's very highly rated. So, so okay, I'm going to completely contradict yes. myself within the space of two minutes and say, no, I want I want to progress because I want to give those young kids another chance. Yeah, and most importantly, the three finals are going to be three of the best days out ever in the last few years, even if they're not that important. Maybe because they're not the be-all and end-all that enjoy. Well, we won them all, so that helps as well. Uh, but beating Liverpool on penalties is all... How can that not be enjoyable? Uh, but yeah, it, for the team, obviously we don't want too many first teamers uh, playing too many minutes. So pl- play a weakened side and hope we win with weakened sides because yeah. I can never hope for my team to lose a game, even pre-season friendly. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we shall see on Tuesday. Uh, right, I think we've covered everything there, so I'll wrap up now. Uh, thank you very much, Leon, for coming on. Thank you, Howard. Thank you, Sam. Yeah, thank Pleasure. you, Asan, as well, for your thoughts. Pleasure, uh, yeah, that was enjoyable, uh, as 5-0 away wins tend to be. Uh, thank you for listening, everyone. Obviously, we'll have plenty more stuff coming up, reviews, previews, and whatnot. So, until next time, goodbye. Up the blues!